1: Welcome to Sports for CLE. I'm Mac Robinson in for Dave Bacon. Before we get into Doug LaMaurice from Cleveland.com and Kevin Arnold uh, joining us later on in the show, let's take a look at some of the highlights from today's training camp. Great stuff from camp earlier today. And some of the main storylines that we're following along with when it comes to the injury report. Uh, Ronnie Harrison is going to be out for a few days, confirmed by Kevin Stefanski with a hamstring injury. Tack McKinley was out today due to an illness. And on top of that, J.C. uh center and NFLPA president, was out today. He was not on the field. Uh, Nick Harris replaced him. He was out with an illness. And per Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com, uh, Anthony Walker limped off the field. Uh, trainers were tending to his right leg and actually threw down his helmet uh, in disgust with his injury. And also, Coach Stefanski did uh, mention with JOK, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker, saying that he is getting closer and closer to coming off that COVID list. And the other uh, big news from this weekend, extension talks. Obviously, uh, you had Nick Chubb signing the big extension, but... The one that went under the radar was Paul D. Podesta uh, extending his contract to line up with Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski coming up in four seasons. But the big topic, like I mentioned, Nick Chubb running back for the Cleveland Browns, signing an extension, three years, $36.3 million, 20 of that guaranteed at signing, grand total of $30 million guaranteed in total. So let's go to Doug Lamarice of Cleveland.com joining me of uh, to talk about uh, Nick Chubb and his payday, Doug, let me get – what's your initial reaction when it comes to the Nick Chubb signing when it comes to, you know, the big running running back getting his payday?
2: My, my initial reaction is that this is probably an important show for you. You know,
3: you want to use it as a clip
2: <laughs> down the line, show people what you can do, and I have a feeling I'm going to torpedo this show for you. So I apologize <laughs> in advance, Mac. Like, th- this is what you have to work with. Listen – the worst thing that could have happened with the Browns, right? And I think the only thing that like people who know the Browns are analytically minded and what you know what running backs are worth in the NFL, like if if any of that would have gotten in the way of Nick Chubb being extended here, I think people would have revolted. So like this is just normal. It's nice, it's an acknowledgement, as everybody out there said today, that Nick Chubb is special, that Nick Chubb is a foundational player that you are signing not just Nick Chubb, the player, but also Nick Chubb, the person. He's what the Browns want to be. And I never thought the idea that like, well, our second contracts worth it for running backs? I never thought that was gonna stop Andrew Barry from doing this. This always seemed like the obvious and right move. But I think for any Browns fan who was like, I don't know about those guys, I think this confirmed that for special circumstances, you know, I think maybe by their principles, they do think that, I don't know, this is a lot for a running back but you have to make exceptions when it's worth it. And Nick Chubb with who he is and what he means to this franchise is absolutely worth it. I think it's a great deal for the Browns.
1: Well, let's hear from the
2: 25 year old running back
1: who talked earlier today to the media about that extension.
3: Yeah, I'm relieved. That's, uh, it's behind us now. I'm out here ready to practice. I know all that's, it's been handled, taken care of, very happy where I am. So now I just come out here and focus on getting better every day. Yeah, it means everything. Um, I love it here in Cleveland. I love the team, I love the coaches, I love the position that I'm in. I can't ask for anything better than where I'm at. Cleveland's where I want to be, and you know, I'm happy to be able to get that done. I could be here for even more years.
1: Nick Chubb is excited as ever. So, you know, Doug, when it comes to Nick Chubb, he talked about you know being a little relieved and having that contract done. Do you think that kind of makes it a little easier on him, especially going into the season, knowing that he has that contract under his belt?
2: I think he probably just doesn't want to have to talk about it. So I can't imagine a, a tougher news conference to try to get answers than Nick Chubb talking about a contract. It's like, what? Well, this this guy, he just wants to play football. So I think actually, I think it would have been fine. I don't think that Nick Chubb will be better because he got his contract signed. I, I, like, I think it would have been fine either way. And I do think, because I think in the end, it's like, the guys that they want to be here are going to be here. So I I don't get too caught up in the timing of stuff because I, I just will be shocked if they don't ex- extend Denzel Ward. I'll be shocked if they don't extend Baker Mayfield, right? <laughs> don't we all kind of think that? They're going to get done. So, um, but, but I like the idea. I do think, and I think Kevin Stefanski said this today, that it's like you sign a guy like Nick Chubb and it tells the locker room something about the team because Nick Chubb has a guy in Kareem Hunt who takes some carries from him. He had like 100 fewer, more than 100 fewer carries than Derrick Henry last year, right? I think he had almost half as many carries. Now, it's partly because Chubb missed four games, but – if Nick Chubb was worried, like, hey, you know, they're lessening my workload, which is good for me, but is it going to cost me money? He basically got the same contract as Derrick Henry. And so I think that shows something to the team of like, listen, we're not just playing compare the stats. We're talking about your value as a football player, which goes beyond stats. And so I think that's good. It helps everybody sort of do their job, do what's best for the team, and know that like they're going to be treated fairly and compensated fairly without having to worry about, man, Hunt took nine of my carries today. Is that going to cost me money? No, it's not going to cost you money.
1: And let's go from one extremely energetic running back to his extremely energetic head coach and Kevin Stefanski talking about the extension.
4: Yeah, excited for Nick. Uh, he's certainly deserving. Mentioned uh, in the press release, he's a team guy all the way. So excited. Yeah, he uh, he doesn't say much, and and you know I think that sometimes seems like he's not a leader in that regard, and that couldn't be the truth he's a he's a leader in his action yes i mean he nick has a personality i mean he he's certainly out here on the practice field and in the meeting rooms with his teammates i mean the guys enjoy being around him i just think his play style certainly is one that's understated but i think so much of this the guys know a lot it is a business uh and and so can't keep everybody as i've said i've always said i want to keep everybody and uh but certainly in moments like this, when you reward a guy like Nick, I, I think it probably does set
1: I think that last point is what really was my major takeaway was, you know, I think that sets a locker room precedent, at least, when it comes to, even though the running back position might not necessarily be valued as much by, by some people, you know, at least it's setting the precedent that, hey, if you work hard, you can get rewarded for, for your actions regardless of what some people might view of your position.
2: And I understand why people sort of ask the questions about, like, personality. And, you know, as you joked, you know, Kevin and Nick aren't going to tear it up. Listen, anybody can shout, right? Shouting is not a skill. Being like, ah, football is not a skill. Those guys have actual skills that matter. So we're happy to shout on their behalf. Kevin and Nick can just kind of keep it like this, <laughs> keep it, you know, smooth. <laughs> but here's the other thing we have to be prepared for is there is going to come a time when the Browns aren't going to pay a guy who thinks he should get paid and on his way out of town he may say something like man the browns i can't believe they don't pay good players they don't want to win and it's gonna be like listen man like you know there is like all this aaron Rodgers stuff again it's a privilege right you have a guy as a hall of famer who's mad because he's been there for 15 years or whatever like that's the other side of this as they keep winning as they keep accumulating too many good players, not every story is going to end like this with the Browns and Nick Chubb hugging each other and handing over 36 million dollars. So prepare yourself for that, which means enjoy this because in this moment everybody is happy and that doesn't all you know that happens with with contracts that often doesn't happen, but Chubb is happy, the Browns are happy, the fans are happy and that's why it's a great contract and a great day that should be celebrated. Last but not least, let's hear from linebacker
1: Anthony Walker on his thoughts on the Nick Chubb signing.
3: Yeah, I have nothing but respect for him. Um, Obviously watching him at Georgia, uh, you know, watching him since he's been in the NFL. Great back, all-around back, catch the ball out the backfield, can block. Um, You know, him being a runner is, you know, just the – that's what he does. So, uh, yeah, I have nothing but respect for him. Um, You know, joking with him today. As soon as I walked back to my phone after meetings – First thing that come across from my phone is Nick Tuff signs his deal, so uh, that's pretty awesome, man. You see guys put the work in and uh, get rewarded for it. Yeah, he's a head down and go straight to work guy every day. Um, you know, he doesn't say much, but uh, he work he, his actions, um, the way he works every day that speaks value.
1: Yeah, and I think that with what Anthony Walker said in that last part there about you know him coming to work and being that guy that everybody can look towards. You know, I feel like that's kind of what the team is looking for at that point, you know, setting that precedent and basically being a foundational
2: piece with the way that he works. Now, I wouldn't want 53 guys like Nick Chubb, <laughs> right? Because you need some juice guys, mm-hmm. you need some work guys. But like to start we talked about this at our orange and Brown talk podcast, like that this line of extensions, and obviously miles already got done last year, but like to start this line of stuff with Nick Chubb, I think it's really appropriate in a lot of ways because what you want to be as a franchise, Nick Chubb represents that. Now, but the thing is, you know, Baker Mayfield represents it too. And, and Baker Mayfield is not an only put your head down and go to work kind of guy. He's a go to work, but also, you know, do crazy stuff, which everybody loves. So you need the mix. You really do need the mix, but it does, Mac, it does make me think, it almost makes me want to search for this person not to be negative because I think the answer might be there's nobody. Who doesn't like Nick Chubb? Is there anyone? Is there somebody in his hometown? He's like, oh, that Nick Chubb. He he in dodgeball in third grade. He hit me in the, you know, like who doesn't like Nick Chubb, which again is why he's the right guy for this. Now, especially
1: with Nick Chubb, you have Kareem Hunt in that backfield and you mentioned it earlier too. You know, Kareem Hunt can take a little bit of that load off for him do you think that with Kareem Hunt being there and, you know, them having Hilliard and even Demetrik Felton, who they drafted in the sixth round, do you think that them kind of easing off that load for Nick Chubb, do you think that could extend the life of that contract
2: and extend his play that he's had? So, Felton and Hilliard don't matter, because, like, that, that's just, you know, but but Hunt, having literally the best backup running back in the NFL, I do think that this is a shorter deal is... is interesting on both sides. And part of it is because of the idea that maybe they don't have to run this guy into the ground, but I think it's up through his age 28 season. So from the Brown standpoint, again, sort of analytically looking at it, I'm not sure the Browns would have been thrilled with like a six year deal that takes Nick Chubb into his thirties. Cause is that what the Browns want to be doing even with a the guy they love, but also from the Nick Chubb side of things, it's only a three year extension. So he's here for four more years for sure. And if the Browns don't run him into the ground, which they're set up to avoid doing that with Kareem Hunt, he'll still be fairly young, young youngish for a running back when he would hit the market again. And that shorter deal is good for him. So I think the three years is good for the Browns because they don't want to pay an older back. And I think it's good for Chubb because he knows they're not going to abuse him and he's got a shot at another deal out there. So I but I think that Kareem Hunt factor which I didn't know. Like when when they had this duo, it's like is everybody going to be happy with this? I think Kevin Stefanski has found a really good way and this contract backs it up that yes, there is a way for everybody to be happy with this share of the load and it's going to be every, good for everybody in the short term and the long term.
1: We're going to take a quick time out. Doug Lee Maurice and I will be talking Browns defense and the defense gelling. Anthony Walker spoke about it earlier. We will hear about that coming up next here on Sports for CLE. Stay with us. Welcome to Sports for CLE. I'm Mac Robinson. Earlier today, defensive leader Anthony Walker Jr. spoke to the media about the defense gelling and the amount of time that it will take for those guys to get on the same page.
3: It's uh, it's good on paper, you know. And uh, we've been talking about that. Uh, guys, like you said, a lot of good good names, a lot of you know, a lot of talent across the board. But um, we got to go out here and put the work in. That's what we're trying to do every day right now. Um, like I said, it looks good on paper, but. You know, this is a time where you, you come together, um, you put the work in, and then uh, on Sundays you let the show, you let the uh, work show. Uh, we got to get the call. We got to execute the call. Um, I don't think it takes much time to do that. You know, we got to get it done. And we don't have time. You know, we got a game coming up, you know, September 12th. So, um, you know, we got to get that done now. And that's what we're doing. Training camp is for that, to come together, uh, get used to playing with each other, and, um, you know, just keep executing. That's the main thing. This is the practice field. This is where you make mistakes at. So we'll we'll be crisp on Sunday.
1: Doug Lamarise from cleveland.com joins me now. And, Doug, you know, I feel like the defense gelling and the amount of time that it will take for those guys to get on the same page, that's the biggest storyline that I'm kind of following along
2: this training camp. What say you? No, I think that's right. I, I think we feel like we know – you know, that and Odell Beckham Jr. coming right. back from injury, I think, of the two things, right? That that we feel like we have a sense of the offense and how it wants to work and how it fits together, which is, again, this is all the Andrew Berry plan. Get the offense together. Last year was there. You to figure everything out. Now you feel like you have an offense – that you can that you build around Baker Mayfield that all understands each other and they should be able to take a next level jump this year while the defense is kind of figuring it out. I mean, it really it it Andrew Barry, smart dude that the way that of course you do the offense first because Baker right you want that young quarterback to feel confident and now this this defense I mean it doesn't it doesn't have to happen overnight I don't think it will completely happen by the Chiefs game but I think it will happen by the time it needs to happen. In the second half of the season, then along the way, the offense can carry them a little bit until it does happen. So, you know, Anthony Walker, I think, is is an important part of that. Um, I'll be curious to see. I know, as you said, Mary Kay Cabot and people reporting out there that he limped off today. Um, I think his presence is so valuable, sort of just around the team, even if for some reason he couldn't be on the field every snap, because that linebacker group, so many young guys, you need a couple older guys you believe in. And I think Miles Garrett's one of those guys, Denzel Ward is, but when you bring in Anthony Walker, you bring in Javion Clowney, where you bring in John Johnson and Troy Hill, you're bringing in some guys to believe in that, yeah, it takes a while to get together, but these guys know how to play defense. And so it's just familiarity, but I I don't have any doubt that it's going to happen. It's just a matter of is it it by week one, is it by week four, but it's going to happen. Now, one of the big storylines as well was Anthony Walker –
1: was named by uh, head coach Kevin Stefanski as the leader on the defense to wear that green dot and call the plays. Here's Anthony Walker and Kevin Stefanski talking about the green dot on defense.
3: Uh, Yes, I mean, me and Darius always joke around and say, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who wears the green dot, it's just the person that's given the call in the huddle. And then, um, you know, it's up to the the whole group of linebackers or DBs to get the communication across the board. Um, Obviously, I pride myself on being a – a key communicator on the defense getting everybody lined up and you know set the right way so um you know I may be a a little louder than you know most but um yeah it was the same thing when I was in Indy so Darius would give the call and then we'd both be making calls on the field so at the end of the day you know we want the green dot person to get the communication in on what the call is and then we all go out there and make the right communication.
4: I'd say most teams use the Mike linebacker as their green dot I know John Johnson example of of a guy who didn't I think it it depends on who your mic is. It depends—is that a young player? Is that a veteran player? Uh, so it's something that we're comfortable with. But I'll tell you, uh, multiple guys will wear the green dot. Now they can't be on the same on the field together with that. Uh, but if Anthony's not out there, Jacob Phillips is somebody that's done it before. So so it's not like we're just gonna have one guy that's always ready. We gotta have multiple guys to be ready for that.
1: Now you mentioned before about the presence of an Anthony Walker and the kind of knowledge that he brings onto the field. You know, with him getting that green dot, and you know Stefanski mentioning multiple players, including Jacob Phillips. How do you think that he's going to be able to impact that defense with that green
5: dot?
2: Now I think it's a pretty good setup of like if you if you really think and this is not to take away from Anthony Walker, but just in terms of playing football and you know like nat- natural talent what is he on the defense, right? When everybody's out there together, is he the seventh best defensive player, but he doesn't have to be your best defensive player, right? You have Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney and Denzel Ward and John Johnson and Grant Delpit and Troy Hill and all these, Greg Newsome, all these guys are going to do their thing. And all Anthony Walker has to do, not all, but he just has to make sure like everything's cool. So like, I love him as a signing like that. Although when they signed John Johnson, I think we thought it would be him because John Johnson, as he said, as a safety has done that before. But I think I almost think like that was the Anthony Walker signing. That was like a green dot signing. Cause it's like, well, do you want, like, we think Jacob Phillips is good and Kevin Stefanski mentioned him, but second year guy who didn't play all that much last year, you want him green dot in the team that's trying to try and go to the super bowl. Well, Johnson could do it. Whatever. That's why Anthony Walker's here. He's here for the green dot. But if for some reason he's not out there, I think, I mean, obviously John Johnson could do it in a second. And there are a couple other guys, but like that t- that is Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker is here to get everybody set to do their jobs, to run the show, and I think he that's why he was a really good signing for the Browns.
1: Now, ESPN put out their top 25 prospects and young players who could level up uh them and their teams in 2021 and Number one, Damian Harris, running back from the Patriots. Number two, Adam Troutman, tight end from the Saints. And number three, Justin Matabuki, defensive lineman for the Ravens. Coming in at number seven, Browns defensive tackle Jordan Elliott. So, Doug, what are your expectations for Elliott coming into year two, and especially with the remade defensive line?
2: Yeah, I wonder. I don't know if he's the guy I would have picked for the Browns. Would I? Would you go Del Pitt instead? Um, I don't have a handle on how that defensive tackle rotation is going to work out. I just feel like there are enough options that it will work out, which I think is that's the best way to be reassured. It's like, well, who's going to be the best guy? It's going to be Billings. Is it going to be Elliott? Is it going to be Jackson? Is it going to be Tommy Togi as a rookie? Like, it's going to be Marvin Wilson. I don't know, but <laughs> but I think they have enough options to get the job done. So I, you know, I do, I do think, and this, again, this is what's going to have to happen for them over time to win a super bowl is you're going to have to have a guy who you think is a rotational guy play like a pro bowl. Right. That like, Oh no, I thought they were all kind of equal. And it's like that guy, that guy's like one of the 10 best defensive tackles in football. Like if that kind of stuff happens, that's how you beat the chiefs. I just don't know. I don't know who it's going to be. So I don't know that I would bank on Elliott being that guy. But I sort of believe in the idea that there's a chance that somebody in there will do that. Now, coming in at number
1: 19 was wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. And Kevin Stefanski spoke about him earlier today.
4: Yeah, uh, Donovan's, you know, just thinking about he came up big for us in moments last year. Came up uh, big in spots when uh, we called his number, he he was available. So excited about him moving forward. But just personality-wise, I think he's doing a really nice job. He's covering punts. He's catching punts. He's playing receiver. He's all over the field right now.
1: now it seems like every single day I log on to Twitter, I see a new video of Donovan Peoples-Jones getting some kind of touchdown. And, Doug, what are your expectations for DPJ heading into his sophomore season? And even though you have Odell coming back off injury and Jarvis playing there as well, along with Higgins, do you see Peoples-Jones able to come out and you know make a
2: big impact in this season? So I'm, I'm going to grab onto your even though, right? <laughs> it's like, well, even though they have like nine other receivers. It's <laughs> like, so, so again, I wouldn't put him on the list because I think maybe this season is about trying to figure out if Donovan Peoples-Jones can start for you next year if both Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry aren't back. And maybe even Rashard Higgins isn't back, right? If you end up turning over your receiver room, just kind of again, from a financial standpoint, a year from now, what is he? And if he feels like a starter, then that means, well, maybe maybe the Browns don't have to draft a receiver in the first round, because like, well, DPJ is ready to roll. I think you can find that out this year, right? I think it's on the list of things when you talk about present and future, that, to me, is is kind of high on the list for the future. How much can you believe in him? Is this guy a starter? Can he replace Odell? But as long as Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins are here I and healthy this season, I don't have huge expectations for what kind of stats he's going to put up. I mean, he'll get on the field. He'll have moments. And I do think sometimes if he's out there with the other guys, right? He's on the field with Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham, and a two, you know, like and Jarvis. And then, oh well, he's the fifth guy on the field. That he's the guy that you don't expect him to throw to. Then he gets open. So I, I think it is an important year for him. But I am not exactly like banking on like DPJ sort of being a get them over the top guy in big moments this year. Just just because of who else they have, because you know his opportunity came last year because Odell got hurt. And so if Odell and Jarvis and Higgins and kadero Hodge are healthy, I'll I'll be curious to see how they work him in. But I I think he could start for them in 2022, and he has to prove it now that he could. Doug and I are going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're
1: going to be talking contract extensions for Baker Mayfield, when he can get it, and how he can earn that top dollar. We'll be right back with Sports for CLE after this. Sports for CLE, I'm Mac Robinson, and Adam Schefter, courtesy of ESPN's Get Up, spoke earlier today about Baker Mayfield's possibility of a contract extension.
5: Here's the deal. We've got Baker Mayfield up for a new deal, Josh Allen up for a new deal, Lamar Jackson up for a new deal, and none of those quarterbacks at this time are currently close to getting a new deal. And if you're Baker Mayfield or you're any of those quarterbacks, why would you want to do a deal right now in the salary cap is going to be rising the way that it will in the next couple of years. These are quarterbacks again who have fifth year options. So they are eligible right now, but they don't have to do a new deal right now. None of them are close to getting a new deal done. And yes, they all want to keep those quarterbacks, those respective teams. The Browns wanna keep Mayfield, the Bills wanna keep Allen, the Ravens wanna keep Jackson. They will keep them. That's the goal. But there just not is any rush right now to get a deal done with any of them and I don't see a quarterback deal getting done anytime soon
1: let's bring in Doug LaMaurice of Cleveland.com and Doug from hearing that with Adam Schefter do you think that they should be signing Baker Mayfield to a deal sooner rather than later or would you hold off until after the season when if he continues that play that number is only going to be rising especially with the cap number
2: This is the moment, Mac. This is it. This is the beginning of the end of your career. I don't care. I don't care. He's going to be the quarterback here unless something catastrophic happens. But I'm not going to plan for something catastrophic. So I don't I don't know what to say. Like what? I don't care. It, 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 I mean, he probably cares because it affects whether he gets, you know, whatever, $38 million or $42 million. And the Browns care because it's a little wiggle room in the salary cap if you get him for – but, like, do we not think he's going to be the quarterback? I just – I again, I remain fascinated by – I'm not telling people what to think. I just – I don't know and I don't care. I care about Baker Mayfield being the quarterback in Cleveland. When he signs it, I don't care. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I do it to our own podcast. <laughs> I do it to our own people. I say the same thing. I don't know and I don't care. I'm sorry. I'm
1: well, sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. One person who knows how to get Baker Mayfield paid like a top quarterback is ESPN's Jeff Saturday, who spoke earlier today about that on the getup.
6: All right, so you know they're bringing OBJ back this season. He's coming off an injury. I want to see him to continue to run the offense like he did last year when OBJ is back on the field, what does that mean? Alex Van Pelt, their offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, their head coach and play caller, understanding OBJ is just another piece of this offense. He's a very explosive piece, but I'm not just going to try to feature him. I'm going to allow this offense to take care of itself. We're going to run the ball effectively. I'm going to use Landry. I'm going to use my tight end. I'm going to use my running backs out of backfield. Develop the offense and continue to grow. Here's the thing about Baker Mayfield. He gets kind of a bad rap. He played really well his first year. Big dip his second year he's had what three or four head coaches how many offensive coordinators like cleveland was in chaos man now they have andrew barry the general manager stefanski's the head coach i think you're going to see a steady rise in baker mayfield and i think he gets paid as such i'm in agreement with sam he plays well this year you pay him like a top tier quarterback because this is a guy who's going to lead you to the afc championship and potentially a super bowl with the pieces and parts around him on this football team
1: I mean, gotta love what you see from Jeff Saturday there, and on top of that the Athletics' Mike Sando also put Baker Mayfield as his fifth quarterback riser, the biggest riser when it came to his tears uh, behind Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Tom Brady, and Ryan Tannehill. So with that being said, obviously the money will follow if the play is there. Do you expect Baker Mayfield to take that jump and build upon what you saw in 2020?
2: So Yes, yes. And I do, but I do think it to me, the idea of like, oh, don't treat Odell Beckham like he's any different than, uh, you know, Harrison Bryant. I mean, everybody needs the ball. (laughs) I also disagree with that, though. Like, do the Chiefs treat Tyreek Hill differently? Do the Chiefs say, you know what, we need to do get Tyreek Hill the ball? Yes, of course they do. It doesn't throw off Patrick Mahomes to be like, you know what, we should do get the ball to the explosive guy. So uh, they can get better at it, but, again, it's disconnected. It was coincidental. I mean, it was last year that the offense kind of figured it out when Odell got hurt. Baker was just figuring out the Kevin Stefanski way of doing things. They did force it, right? The year before with Freddie Kitchens, they did force it. That was in year one. They were trying to figure it out. Like, that was real, right? They did kind of screw that up. Um, But I don't – like, I just – I think a lot of this is going to happen naturally, but I think if you just pretend that Odell Beckham is like everybody else, you're you're missing the boat, man. Like they've got to get the ball to him down the field. That's the next level for this offense is those explosive explosive plays because they missed that last in the second half of last season. As efficient as they were, I think they missed those explosive plays. But I think part of it is confidence, it's familiarity. I think Baker Mayfield at times Odell Beckham was there, was open on some things. Here's where they get caught. Odell Beckham Jr. is open for a big play. Baker's not is hesitant to throw it. Doesn't throw it, and then he's like, "Oh man, he was open. I didn't throw it. Now you force it to him, right?" I think the evolution of Baker is take what's there, and sometimes what's going to be there is a gigantic Odell Beckham play, and you have to look for those. But I think most of this, almost all of it, is the natural growth of a quarterback. And if you go back and look at the best quarterbacks in this league, you look at what they did in year two and year three, and I've done it. Almost all of them have a weird little bump. And most of those guys didn't change offensive coordinators and coaches like Baker did. So this is all part of the plan, but I think he has to take advantage of Odell, but I also think he's ready to do it. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come
1: back, Mike Tannenbaum talked about Odell Beckham and the ceiling for the Cleveland Browns. We'll be right back on Sports for CLE right after this. Welcome back to Sports for Cle. I'm Mac Robinson. Mike Tannenbaum of ESPN spoke earlier today on if Odell can make the Browns a contender on ESPN's Get Up.
6: It's huge. He makes the difference for the AFC. He can make the one or two plays a game that could take Cleveland above Kansas City. He's Tyreek Hill. He's that dynamic. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing going back to Dominic Foxworth's comments is would OBJ be happier winning ten to six, getting two catches? or losing a game 49-47 where he has massive production. And as he evolves in his career, hopefully he's comfortable with having just one or two catches for a couple games. But his explosiveness is impossible to defend.
1: Now let's bring in Doug LaMaurice of Cleveland.com. And Doug, again, we talked about it a little bit last segment, but I mean Odell, it really seems like he can take that offense to that next level and really
2: open up a lot of things for this team. I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with only efficient, right? I mean, I think efficient gets you 10 wins, 11 wins, 12 wins, right? I mean, I think it, it beats the mediocre teams. You win all the games you're supposed to win. You don't make mistakes. You don't kill yourself. You don't shoot yourself in the foot. But when you're playing best on best, I mean, it, it is. It's, it's the guys who can get you over the top. And so that's the difference. That's the difference that he gives you. Nick Chubb gives you that, right? Right. I think David and Joku can give you that. I think they drafted Anthony Schwartz with the idea of that, you know, but, but that's the difference with Odell. And that's what we saw in New York. And we just have not been able to sort of see that because of injury, because of opportunity, because of the fits and starts of the offense. But yeah. And, and I don't even know and the idea again, like would he rather win 10 to six or lose 59, 58? It's like, you think the Browns are going to be winning a lot of 10, six games. They have like, they have like the best, they have the best offensive line in the league. The, the best running back combo two all pro receivers and a growing quarterback. <laughs> I don't think the issue is like, well, will Odell be happy to win 10 to six. That's not the issue, but it's all going to work, but, but they need him. Like, like I, if I were the Browns and I'm going to Kansas city for the AFC championship game in January, I, I would be a little nervous if I didn't have Odell Beckham fully, you know, healthy, healthy, productive Odell Beckham because he is a get you over the top kind of guy and they are trying to get over the top.
1: Now, Chris Broussard on Undisputed uh, Fox Sports 1 mentioned earlier today, he talked about the ceiling for the Cleveland Browns entering 2021.
5: The ceiling is the Super Bowl. That's right. I said the ceiling is the Super Bowl. It's possible. It's possible. I'm not predicting that. I'm not predicting that. My prediction is Kansas City. I like Kansas City and Buffalo Better, again, like I said about Dallas, those two teams to me are definitively better than the Browns, particularly Kansas City. Then you got Baltimore uh, and Miami and, and the Browns and Tennessee. You know, they're kind of bunched in together. But if you're a Browns fan, you've got to be thinking, we got a chance to win the or reach the Super Bowl. Here's the thing, guys. As much as I like Kansas City, as much as I think they're not only going to get to the Super Bowl, but win it. The fact of the matter is, in the history of the NFL, only three teams have ever made three straight Super Bowls. Not one three straight. No. None have won three straight, obviously.
1: I mean, looking at that, I mean, I think he's right with the ceiling, but I also think that the tier that he kind of has them in, I think the Browns are a little ahead of those teams, if I'm if I'm being honest, between the Ravens and the Dolphins. I feel the like Dolphins are a little premature.
2: Do I shout that much? Is that what I sound like? Because <laughs> now I'm worried. I mean, my I hearing's fine still. It. So you're, you're fine in my end. He's a basketball guy, right? I mean, again, Chris. Not, no offense to Chris Broussard, who has roots in Cleveland and is a spectacular journalist. Um, the idea that, like, the Bills are definitively better than the Browns is insane. There's nothing. There's nothing that would prove that. The Browns have one of the three best rosters in the NFL – The Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs as long as they have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. And, and like, when you've got those three, that is a lot, brother. And Andy Reid's been around a long time. Defensively, right? I mean, you know, I love Tyron Matthew. I mean, that guy is a game changer. But I think the Browns, with what they've done defensively, like, they're absolutely – I think they might have a better defense than Kansas City – but like what I mean, again, I you know, everybody just thinks like, well, this is it. Josh Allen is on his way to being Dan Marino, whatever. So like I I I think Allen made a leap. I think the I think Baker may be ready for the same kind of leap this year that Josh Allen made last year, but also not everybody keeps leaping the same way, right? So a lot came together for the Bills last year. But to treat the Bills, the Browns played the Chiefs tougher than the Bills did. So to treat the Bills as if they're on some tier ahead of the Browns, it makes no sense. Also, just like treating the Browns as if they're on the same tier as Kansas City also makes no sense, which is why I've said a thousand times, and I'll be happy to be wrong. <laughs> I just think the Browns are going to go to Kansas City in week one and have a lot of trouble because that's a motivated Kansas City team. That's the only thing they have to prove. The Browns don't have anything to prove this year except can they hang with Kansas City. So Bills, not no. no. I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it. No way. See, I don't want to be a yelling
7: guy.
1: I'm sorry. I'm one of those guys. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Well, I did want to get your perspective on this. I mean, we've talked about Odell's on-the-field play, but off the field, there was a little bit of news from this weekend where, you know, courtesy of uh, TMZ Sports here, uh, Odell spent $1.8 million for a diamond that he put in his teeth. So, Doug, what do you make of Odell Beckham spending the $1.8 million on his teeth? And on top of that, for a guy who doesn't have any guaranteed money coming in next year on his contract.
2: Can, can I appreciate somebody who, like, enjoys life and isn't, like, <laughs> eat, drink, sleep, football? Like, you don't have to be a football robot to be right. good at football. It's like, you know, coach like, well, I, I sleep in my office, and if I don't work on football 18 hours a day, we can't win. It's like, you don't have to be that way. So, like, I like it. I I think Odell – now, listen, it gets hard when he doesn't produce, right? But I, I wouldn't say he hasn't produced. I was very critical of him. I think it was week one last year, right? He dropped the pass on fourth down against the Ravens. Is that right? It was, like, a really big drop at a moment where the Browns are trying to compete. And it's like, dude, you are here to make that catch. Like, what are you doing what have you really done to help the Browns win so far? Like, you've got to do that. But he is an excellent football player, and I've always thought of him kind of as an artist, right? That he he sees the world a certain way, and I firmly believe this in sports and in life. You can't, like, cut people up into pieces and say, well, I like this part of that guy, but I don't like this part of him," Because that's what makes him him. Odell is Odell. And so, like, I love it. Go get the $1.8 million grill, and that makes you feel like who you are, and then go out and ball out, man. Like, I am here for it, but, you know, they need him to ball out this year, and I I think he will. So do it your way, Odell. Here for it all all the way.
1: I mean, you know how the saying goes, look good, feel good, feel good, play good. So, I mean, I'll take it. Uh, And before I get you out of here, Doug, I got to ask you, because obviously, you know, you cover Ohio State as well. Quinn Ewers, star uh, recruit ends up leaving uh, early for going his senior season of high school to go to Ohio State a year early. What are your thoughts on yours, and what do you think of him taking this NIL deal going into Ohio
2: State? Yeah, I mean, it just starts his clock a year early, right? That, that He was going to have this opportunity for NIL. You only expect a guy like that to be in college three years, but now he can get his NIL money a year early, which means he'll get his NFL money a year early because he can go a year early. Um again it's it's fine it certainly makes it interesting Tuesday uh Ohio State starts practice on Wednesday Tuesday tomorrow the media is going to meet with the quarterbacks coach and the quarterbacks who are there Quinn Ewers will not be there we're not exactly sure when he's going to show up in August but I think he is in the mix to start this year because I don't know why you would bring in the number one recruit in the country to start his clock he's only gonna be here for three seasons and like hunt on a whole season. I'm like, well, he's got to learn. He only was a senior in high school. This guy's rare, man. This guy's like working out with Patrick Mahomes. This guy has a special arm and he played Texas high school football, which is at the highest level of Texas high school football, which is practically like college. (laughs) So, you know, he's not going to win the job for week one, but they don't have a quarterback who's ever started a game in college. They're going to have a guy starting his first game against Minnesota, no matter who it is, probably CJ Stroud. So I just I just think he's going to be in the mix. I I will be almost surprised if he doesn't wind up as their starter this year because otherwise I know he's here for the million bucks and NIL money, but like what are you doing? Like he's he's a football player. And I think in like 2 months, like a month of camp and a month of the season, I think he can kind of get up to speed. There's a an unbelievable amount of uh, of talent on the Ohio State offense around him. So so I think he enters the mix to be Ohio State's quarterback right now. Doug LeMaurice of
1: Cleveland.com and the College Football Playoff Show podcast. Doug, thank you so much for taking time with me today.
2: Thank you, Max. Sorry I yelled so much.
1: (laughs) Uh, Let me check my hearing. Uh, You're good. You're good. Thank you for your time. Uh, Coming up after the break, uh, we're going to have Kevin Arnold joining me to talk. Nick Chubb and David Ajoku, his workout after this on Sports for CLE. Life is getting back on
6: track, and so is the job market. Be ready with the training you'll need to get a great job. If you or your family has experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-C can help with tuition assistance. Whether you want to improve your skills, get certified or train for a new career, go to tri-c.edu to check out our programs and resources. Register now for online and on-campus classes. Tri-C is where futures begin.
0: The Ohio Lottery
7: Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students, kindergarten through 12th grade, can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine.
1: Welcome back to Sports for CLE. I'm Mac Robinson. Earlier today, Bart Scott was on a KJZ of ESPN and said this about the Nick Chubb contract.
0: Look how smart it is. Nick Chubb's 25 years old. This puts him under contract to 29. You think at 30, that's when you know running backs fall off the cliff. So you want to try and pay him now, reward him now, because if you pay him afterwards, then that takes him to 30. And and then, you know, or or he might have wanted a little bit more money or something like that, or you have to fight for him and you have to pay more. Because what will a 26-year-old Nick Chubb get in the market? You look at what the high running backs are making. You know, Ezekiel Elliott is making $15 million a year. Christian McCaffrey is making $15 million a year. You get Nick Chubb, who's younger, and just as productive, you know, for twelve million dollars a year, that 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 is a discount. You and we all anticipate that the salary cap is going to be going up next year. So you sign them early under underneath these rules, knowing that guys are going to get crazy contracts next year. That's why a guy like Juju Smith Schuster, you know, why would you go back for less money when the, when the Ravens were offering you this type of money? Because the market next year and the salaries for next year is going to go up exponentially.
1: Let's bring in Kevin Arnold of the Voice of the Land podcast. Kevin, uh, good to talk with you, my friend. And, you know, I think that he's spot on when it comes to the precedent, when it comes to Nick Chubb. And I think that it sets a tone, especially. And on top of that, too, it's a little team-friendly, if I'm being honest.
7: It is team-friendly. And first off, Mac, I promise I won't yell either, Just (laughs) just like Doug won't yell and blow out your ear. But... You said it. This is a team-friendly deal for for the Cleveland Browns, and you really wouldn't expect anything less from Nick Chubb. He's not going to do his talking in the media. He's not going to do it on social media. His talking is his play, and his play is for the team. So, with this contract, he's doing things for the team. That's just who Nick Chubb is. Doesn't celebrate touchdowns, but he scores them. He's productive on the field, and you know, even they even brought up on that KJNZ show a little bit later on how, you know, Chubb, you're able to pay your elite talent now. And that's what the Browns are, are saying. They're not sending a message that, you know, they're valuing Chubb over Baker or anything like that. They're trying to pay their elite talent now. And that shows that they can draft the talent and they can find a way to keep them as many as possible, almost following or maybe trying to follow the Buccaneers' I guess, blueprint, you would say, being able to bring all of their Super Bowl-winning offense, defense, the entire roster back this season. There's a blueprint out there, and you know Andrew Berry and his his IQ. He's going to find a way to try to keep as many of these young, talented players on this team as possible.
1: Well, it's nice to have players that we can actually are... It's nice to have players that are worth extending, I I guess I should say at this point, too, uh, with the way that they've been able to develop Nick Chubb. But... Looking at earlier today, LeVar Arrington of uh, Undisputed on Fox Sports 1, he had this to say about the Browns' success in 2021 and why they need to coming into this season.
5: After this season, you'll have 30 total free agents. After next season, you'll mm-hmm. have 27, and they're big, big, big names. So this team that you're boasting all of this talent in terms of personnel – you had better have success this year. That ceiling had better be sky high because you know what else is going up with that ceiling? The window. The window could be closing on them.
1: I think it's a little premature to say that, especially for, a, for the eighth youngest roster in the NFL. And on top of that, too, with the salary cap rising, I have a feeling they're going to be able to keep around some of those guys.
7: Yeah, and you're already starting to see it. If other people follow Nick Chubb's model of maybe a team-friendly deal, still getting the money that they feel they, they deserve, but a little less than the market may dictate so that all of them can stay together because they enjoy playing together. This is a group that does so many things and helps one another in all of their charitable foundations. You saw it with the Jarvis Landry softball game and all these other elements where you see these guys getting together in the offseason to continue to work and build relationships on and off the field. Yes, this team must win, but this team knows that. Kevin Stefanski and his coaching staff knows they have to win. Every NFL team knows they have to win or they won't be in the league. They don't say NFL not not for long for no reason. So Stefanski understands last year can help build some momentum into this season, but it's not going to determine how they're going to play this year. And that's why the word work is said by Coach Stefanski all the time and is displayed all over that building in Berea. They are going to have to put in the work in order to have that success. And, yes, the roster is great, but on paper doesn't get you anywhere. This team is focused on how they can translate what looks like on paper to be a Super Bowl caliber team for an offense, defense, special teams, across the board, they're trying to translate that to on-field success all 2021. Now, you mentioned the work. David Njoku,
1: among the many players putting in the work this offseason, and actually put out his workout video of him doing a box jump. Uh, and let's go ahead and take a look at the uh, at the video here. Okay, not that bad. Not bad at all. I clearly do that every other day. Uh, so, Dave Najoku, you know, you see the explosiveness there from him and the work that he's put in. Between him doing that, the uh, Nick Chubb constant lifting that we've seen in the off season, and the Miles Garrett box jumps, you know, which one is most impressive to you when it comes to the work that's been put in this offseason?
7: Well, I, I kind of think that the Chubb kind of weightlifting <laughs> elements there. I mean, I got it. Of course came off of a knee injury in college as well, but it's just, I've seen the box jumps. Honestly, I've seen it all. You, you see these guys working on the offseason season and it's the same 10 second clip, whether they got the weights <laughs> on their back and they're doing some sort of big time squat or they, they have the box jump and they're going 57 inches like Ninjoku, or, you know, 60 inches or whatever new feat that miles Garrett is trying to accomplish. And, Lord knows he can, of course, get anywhere or do any sort of athletic feat possible. That's why they kind of had to, that's why Stefanski kind of had to retire him from playing basketball in the off season because they want all of that physical ability to be on the football field. But I mean, this is, this is the kind of team that you have. Yes. It's cool to see those videos, but they're doing it for a purpose and they know that, yeah, I've had some success in the field. But i got to get better. If this team wants to get better, i got to get better. What didn't I do last year? What can I do better this season for us to go further and possibly win it all this season? And that's what a lot of those videos represent to me. Kevin and I are going to take a
1: quick timeout. When we come back, a new report about who could be signing with the Cleveland Cavaliers and fucking Evan Mobley, the newest Cavalier, coming up right after this on Sports for CLA. Back to Sports for CLE, I'm Mac Robinson. A report coming out here as of a few minutes ago uh, from Mark Stein of the Cleveland Cavaliers talking to Jarrett Allen, and it looks like he's going to be talking about a five-year, $100 million range deal to re-sign with the Cleveland Cavaliers and pair up with Evan Mobley. To talk about that, let's bring in Kevin Arnold of the Voice of the Land podcast. And Kevin... Jared Allen re-signing. You got the twin. T- you got the Tower City, or you've got uh, Frobley going on down low in Cleveland. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the big man possibly re-signing in Cleveland?
7: Well, I'm not sure about the Frobley nickname <laughs> for for that duo just yet. Uh, that one may have to take a little bit more time. But it's the deal getting done. Just seems like it was inevitable for this team because as soon as they brought him in, they were raving about how how long they've been after him, how, how much they value what he can bring to the floor. And, of course, defensively, a team that has been poor defensively for the last few seasons, one of the main reasons they've been at the bottom or near the bottom of the Eastern Conference over the last few seasons, they wanted to bring him in. And I think him getting done and that contract extension kind of starting right away, and, of course, the necessity of that with him becoming a restricted free agent, this offseason you know shows you maybe where they where they value their players and might be why people continue to bring up Colin Sexton and trade rumors because this team raves about a guy they just brought in Jared Allen and every now and again they'll continue to talk about how much they like what Colin Sexton brings to this team but a guy that's been here longer than Allen has over the last few seasons.
1: Now, last Thursday, Cavs held the third overall pick and selected a USC center, Evan Mobley. Big man coming in. What are your thoughts on Mobley and how he fits onto uh, this Cavaliers roster?
7: He's that he's he's the centerpiece. He has to be the centerpiece for this team. And you knew coming into this draft, there was kind of the big four: Kate Cunningham. You were never going to get unless you got that number one pick. And as Talk began after the draft lottery was was held. Jalen Green was the name that was in mock drafts of the Cavaliers, but everyone said, if the Houston Rockets get to work out Jalen Green, there is no way that they pass up on Jalen Green. And of course the Cavs ending up at number three, they were with that coin toss, they were fifth in the rotation of the team. So if they would have done a draft like the NFL does, the Cavs would have been drafting fifth. So really they got two spots better, than their record would have suggested in a typical draft in professional sports. So the best player available at that time was Evan Mobley. And while I don't agree with Kendrick Perkins comparing him already to a modern day Bill Russell, he did bring up one good point. He said, as long as as Evan Mobley buys into being a big man that can do guard things and not vice versa, not trying to be a guard as a big man, then he's going to have success and long success in this league, and he truly will produce as a centerpiece for the Cavaliers.
1: Yeah, I'd prefer to have him over a Ben Simmons type of a guard in a big man's body. Um, But... I did see a report earlier today from Bleacher Reports' Jake Fisher uh, that said the Cavaliers are unlikely to trade Collin Sexton at this point. Do you think that Sexton on this team, how do you think his fit is going to be? And how do you envision him playing out this season if you're the Cavaliers?
7: He's going to be a guy that's going to still fill it up for you. Can he, The big question will be, can him and Garland really coexist? You saw a little bit of it. But guys in and out of the lineup, both of them in and out of the lineup, not always available to this team, you don't know what you have now. But with Evan Mobley, a bigger guy, being drafted by the Cavaliers, it makes all the sense in the world for that trade talk to really subside at this point. I'm a big Colin Sexton fan. The only way I was into trading Colin Sexton is if they got a massive deal back and it, they were able to get Jalen Green in the draft as well. On the wing. At this point, the Cavs' biggest need is those wing two way players, maybe three and D type wings to really allow for Garland and Sexton to get in the lane to have shooters on the outside to spread things out. Colin Sexton is going to be a leader for this team. And if, if I listened to Tom Hamilton talk about the Indians yesterday, and he said Terry Francona talks about their minor leaguers, and when they bring them up, you always want to know yes or no, can they play at this level? I don't think the Cavs have the answer yet. They need to determine, even if the answer is no, if Colin Sexton can't play with Darius Garland, you still need a definitive answer, yes or no. Can these two coexist, and can they help lead our young core to competing and contending in the Eastern Conference and in the NBA for years to come?
1: Kevin Arnold of the Voice of the Land podcast, thank you so much for joining me today, my friend. Always, my friend, always enjoy talking with you and look forward to talking with you down the line. Absolutely. Kevin Arnold, Voice of Land podcast, joining me. That's going to do it for us today here of Sports for CLE. Coming up tomorrow, sitting in my chair, is going to be John Fanta of the Big East Network and college basketball on Fox Sports. Thank you all have a good night.